0: Do you like the show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Of course you do. Well, then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. To another edition of the Nerd Cave Retro Show, and I will turn down the music as soon as the <laughs> soundboard will let me. My name is Jason Robbins, and my name is Derek Diamond. And of course, I'm having some problems again. I need to do some serious cleanup on this computer this weekend because it is not acting well right now. So, sorry about that. And uh, hopefully, next week I will have everything. Smoothed out again, like it used to be. Well, sometimes a computer just needs a good old fashioned cleanup. It does, and this one seriously needs it because it is not acting well lately.
1: Yeah, mine's mine's kind of doing the same. I've got a, I've got to do that. I might actually do that tomorrow because um, I've I've been in. Uh, well, I went to leadership training as part of my job today, and I'm doing the same thing tomorrow. But the good thing about that is we get out at like three o'clock. So we're done for the day at 3, which is nice. So I get to actually, you know, I'll come home early and get get to do a couple of things before new homestand starts on Thursday and runs through Monday. Cool. So it won't affect the show next week, but the week after it will... It will start too, but we'll we'll figure that out when it gets a little bit closer.
0: Yeah, if uh, if we can't get a show then uh, after next week, then uh, we may just take a week off to, to kind of recharge. And, yeah, because uh, it is summertime, and you know it's uh, we deserve a break too. People, don't quit quit yelling. Don't at me, bro. <laughs> I think Will Smith wrote a song about that once. Exactly, About summertime. <laughs> so tell me, um, we had our uh, Derek Diamond experience. Uh, Parker Syndrome cast and crew um, that we did this last weekend, which was awesome. So uh, tell everyone all about everything going on in the land of the Parker Syndrome.
1: So yeah, as you mentioned, we we did the podcast, uh, which was actually the season finale of the Derek Diamond Experience. Did a full, um, you know, Facebook Live version, and shout out to my friend Zach Dykes, former. NerdCave podcast co-host came over and ran all the AV stuff so I could sit on the panel and not have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, thank you to Julio Diaz for coming over to be the special guest host. So again, I wouldn't be the pretentious asshole talking about my own <laughs> products on my own show. Uh, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. There was you know the entire cast, and then you and Bill Lyons, who both ran sound, uh, just mm-hmm kind of sat around and talked about our time making the movie. And it was a lot of fun. It was actually, it was cool hearing everyone's input on it because like, I didn't really know too much about the cast, you know, thoughts on why they took their roles and why they wanted to be involved with it. So that, that was kind of cool to hear. Like I had no idea what they were going to say before we actually did the podcast. And I kind of wanted it that way. I wanted to just, you know, sit back and kind of find out what Julio was going to ask Uh, along with everyone else.
0: Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I I had a good time.
1: Yeah, you can go on uh, the Derek Diamond Experience Facebook page right now and watch the video version, but then the audio version will be up this Thursday, and that will be uh, the last episode of that podcast that I do until probably mid-September at the absolute earliest, just because... You know, with uh, this this baseball schedule this season has actually been a bit lighter than usual, but over the next two weeks, it does start to pick up. We have a 10-game stretch at the end of May, and then I think we have another one at the end of June. So with all that going on and then trying to get the last little bit of the movie done, yeah. I just figured, you know, take the summer off of doing the podcast so I don't have to worry too much about it. But once baseball season's completely over, I will... Uh, I will be back talking with hopefully more uh, current and aspiring filmmakers. So absolutely, stay tuned. Stay tuned for that. Um, hopefully, the Parker Syndrome will be done. I'm shooting for early June, so that way I can do. I want to do, and I talked about this on the podcast, but I want to do a premiere here in town for it, and then start submitting it to to festivals. So yeah. I would say absolute latest. June, sometime in June, the movie will be finished. There's a little bit left to be done with it. I um, got the first draft of the score over the weekend. I started working on the poster today. So I'm hoping that I can spend most of next week getting as much done as possible. So that way, once that 10-game stretch hits, I'll have most of it done.
0: Well, you're right on time to, to start submitting to festivals because all the festivals start to kick off in the fall. So you're uh you're at the you're you're at the good time to start submitting. You're not going to hit a lot of the the late fees um that we ran into with uh with Monsters Anonymous because we came out later in the year and the festival season was already going on. So you've got a leg up on that. So you'll be spending way less money than we did to uh submit to festivals.
1: Cool. But yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing the the final product done. And what was cool is after we did the podcast, a few of us actually did some audio commentaries for the Blu-ray, which was which was a lot of fun. You know, I'm a geek when it comes to that kind of stuff. So (laughs) it it was it was cool. So, um,
0: yeah, fun stuff going on. And uh, like I said, uh, we may take not next week, but the week after we we may take that off. But I think over the summer, what we're probably going to have to do is is a lot like last year. um, We probably won't hit the live show. Um, as often as we'd like, but we might have to actually do some bank shows, uh, where we where we record like two or three in a row, and just kind of sparse them out over a few weeks because there's going to be times where um I've got some out of town trips that I'm planning uh, coming up in early Ju- July. So mm-hmm. um so for so for those of you that like to watch us on Twitch or on YouTube, we do apologize because we won't some of the shows over the summer we, we have to skip. From doing live, and uh, but we'll have banked episodes that you'll be able to listen to each week on the uh, the podcast feed. So don't you worry about that.
1: Yeah, we we've got a couple of options. So, like I said, we'll we'll still we'll still be doing the show on a fairly regular basis. It just oh, yeah. with with the video version, it
0: probably won't be as much. But I don't know about you, but I'm ready to get into the news tonight. What do you say? Sure. On NintendoLife.com, Soko Banana is a brand new game being developed for the NES. Yes, the actual NES. Uh, Almost every day, we see waves of online users replying to game reveals with something along the lines of, yeah, but is it coming to Switch? Desperate for another game on their platform of choice, isn't it about time we started asking new questions instead of simply port begging for more games on Nintendo's newest machine? How about, yeah, but is it coming to the NES instead? Much better. <laughs> I love that. I love that, that paragraph. That's right. Soko Banana is a new game currently in development for the trusty NES. Uh, the game is a puzzler said to bring hours of fun and challenge as you make your way through dozens of le- levels. You visit banana warehouses on different islands aiming to get all the banana crates to the exit using the environment to your advantage. Traps and enemies are also there to hinder your progress. Um, Its features are, it's a brand new game for the NES, playable on real hardware, fun and challenging gameplay mechanics, four different islands, each one will have its own distinct feel with unique graphics, music, and environments, ten regular and two bonus levels for each island for a total of 48 plus levels, and a bonus island. Uh, The team behind the game are generating funds on Kickstarter, uh, aiming to make around 4,000 pounds. Anyone backing 24 pounds or higher will receive a physical NES cartridge with tiers uh, below that getting a digital copy instead. Um, It's already generated more than half of its total um, with more than 20 days to go, so if you're interested uh just head over to the kickstarter page which you can uh find the link here on the uh the nintendo life.com uh page uh the article and um this looks really cool i would love to get a copy of this
1: yeah i actually watched the video on this and it looks like a lot of fun
0: i it's so cool they're they're making an actual nes game that's play, playable on the nes like that just that makes me giddy yeah, I don't
1: know about you, but I think that NES console might be going places.
0: I think it is. Uh, you know, it's it's been around a while. Nobody really <laughs> nobody really bought it back in the day, but now it's kind of coming into its own, you know?
1: Dare I say this might be the comeback of the year. Yeah. <laughs> no, in, in all seriousness, um, I would love to at least get a digital copy of this, because yeah. like I said, I watched the trailer for it, and it looks like one of those games that we've been talking about the last few weeks on this show. That You know, those that it doesn't take like a ton of thought to do. Yeah. You just kind of sit and they're good games to spend, you know, 20 to 30 minutes playing. Yeah. Because it, it looks like a really fun puzzle game and it, it looks like it belongs right on the NES and actually it looks really good for being on the NES. So yeah. I, I'd love to, like I said, at least I don't have a physical NES, but I would love to at least get a digital copy of it to play it. I think that'd be a lot of
0: fun. Yeah, I'd love to just have the, the, the physical copy of it just to have it.
1: Oh, for sure. No, and it's got its own box, and it's on you know one of the old-school NES cartridges. So, yeah.
0: All right, you're starting to get bad. chunky again, so I'm going to pause the podcast real quick. Let's do a little pause here. We'll be right back. And we're back, and Derek is no longer chunky.
1: Yeah, I did. A, I did a quick jog around the around my house. So eat a salad, son. <laughs> it's funny. I actually did have a salad for dinner. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm excited about this next uh, this next uh, article. So I'm gonna let you let you handle this one.
1: I figured you would be. So this also comes to us from NintendoLife.com. Arcade Archives Ninja Gaiden sneaks onto the Nintendo Switch. Uh, This was reported last week, so it's actually on the Switch now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hamster has revealed the next game in its ever-growing arcade archive series on the Switch, and this time we're being treated to Ninja Gaiden. Released in Japanese arcades back in 1989, Ninja Gaiden is a side-scrolling beat-em-up which actually first arrived in North America and Europe just months before. It's worth noting that this isn't the same game as the one which appeared on the NES, despite both titles being developed at around the same time. And as I said, uh, the game is on the Nintendo Switch now for $7.99,
0: which ain't bad. Um, and it is a lot different than the actual NES version. But I do remember playing this in the arcades back in the day, so I, I really want to get a copy of this and play it and uh, and and just kind of see what the differences are, because you know this one's just straight up beat 'em up, like uh, like Double Dragon or Final Fight. It's it's nothing like. The uh the hack and slash that Ninja Gaiden was for the NES. Yeah.
1: Now, I've read a little bit about the differences between the two and you know, as someone who still has yet to play Ninja Gaiden, this would be uh I think this would be fun to do.
0: It's my white whale.
1: It is. <laughs> I still um, say one day you're gonna beat this game and you're gonna text me at like eleven thirty at night yeah. with all caps and a ton of emojis. I did it, and
0: I'm I'm gonna know. Like you're not gonna tell me what you've done, but I'm gonna know it. Oh, you'll know it, and it, I'll probably be like 65 by the times that ha- by the time it happens.
1: Hopefully, we're still doing the
0: show at that point, yeah. point. and then we can do an emergency nerd cave podcast, <laughs> and I can tell people that I finally beat it after like like 50 years. I finally beat it. And I'll still be
1: bitching about the Sonic trailer. <laughs> uh,
0: and our last story for the night. This is actually, I, I put this on here. It's it's not the American version of the Genesis Mini, but I, f- I figure it's probably going to be close enough that a lot of these games are going to be the same. Um, but from Siliconera.com, the next 10 Japanese Sega Genesis Mini games will be announced on May 16th, 2019, Sega Genesis Mini will have 40 games available on it, as Sega has gradually been announcing new titles included on the device. Um, now we know when the Japanese versions' next 10 game will be announced. Titles 21 through 30 will be revealed at 8:15 p.m. Uh, let's see, 7:15 a.m. Central Time on May 16th, 2019. They will be announced during the Deng- Dengeki Dingekai. PlayStation live presentation. Um, and as a reminder, the games on the Japanese version of the system, which is called the mega drive mini will be different than the ones appearing on the plug and play device outside of Japan where it is called the Genesis mini so far 20 have been revealed. The first batch was announced in March and the second group was shown off in April. Uh, here's a list of the 20 so far. I'm not going to name them all, but I mean, we've talked about it before, but of course, Castlevania bloodlines is on there. comic zone, uh just see Shining Force, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, uh Space Harrier 2, Streets of Rage 2, Thunder Force 3, World of Illusions gonna be on there. A lot of good games are gonna be on this thing. So I think it's gonna be well worth the money once it comes out.
1: So whenever I say this, I don't I'm not trying to say that I don't care about the rest of the games that are gonna be announced, but I'm saying that they've already sold me on this. Mm-hmm. So to me, whatever they add is just added value. Like I'm I'm going to get the Genesis mini. I think it's actually gonna be really cool. And as we mentioned before, we've I think the only Genesis games that have been reviewed on this show is the Sonic games that I've done.
0: Yeah. So, it'll okay. be cool to actually review some Genesis games. Oh, I know. And, and we're going to have 40 games on this system. So, why would you? I, th- I think this thing's going to do gangbusters, honestly. I think it's going to do as well as probably the, the NES Mini, at least. I think so
1: too. Because you, you had a lot of people who love the Genesis. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember back in the day, Genesis versus the Super Nintendo was a legitimate battle.
0: Well, even the just the regular Nintendo. I mean, you gotta re- you remember the the Genesis came out in like eighty seven, eighty eight, I think eighty seven, and uh, it went head to head with the NES for you know a good three or four years before the Super Nintendo came out. So you know it was direct competition with two different NES consoles, and still held its own.
1: You're right because. Super Nintendo was released in 91, and that was the same year that Sonic came out. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the, not the rebirth, but that added that little extra something to yeah. Sega, because then they had their Mario.
0: Yeah, they finally had their their mascot, because before that, uh, the pack-in game was... Um, what was it? What was the pack-in game before that? Um, Standby. I don't remember now. Um uh, somebody screaming at their at their <laughs> listening device right now, screaming at us. It was this. Um let's see. Let's see. Sega
1: Genesis Pack End game. Uh da, 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 da. I just got a list of all the pack end games in history. Oh. <laughs> Sega let's see, there's Master System, there's Sega C D. Oh, here we are, Genesis.
0: Uh, Altered Beast. Altered Beast. That was it. God, why I couldn't I think of that?
1: Yeah, because that was one of the games that I wanted to play. Yeah, yeah, it was for eighty-nine to ninety-one. It was Altered Beast. Then it was the original Sonic the Hedgehog.
0: Rise from your grave. Exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but oh, yeah, man. I'm
0: excited I'm, about this, man. Like, I, I'm gonna be there day one to pick one up.
1: Oh for sure. And I, I think that's I hope they do pre-orders for it because I feel like you might have to.
0: As a matter of fact, can you pre-order? I think you can pre-order it on Amazon right now. Didn't we actually talk about that before? Amazon.com. Let me look up uh, Genesis Mini real quick. Just 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 for research purposes. Let's see, Sega. 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 Uh, let's see. Um, you can pre-order right now for seventy nine ninety
1: nine. I'm gonna have to do that before before September.
0: Pre-order price guarantee seventy nine ninety nine. Free delivery for Prime members.
1: Did you hear they're doing free one-day shipping now? Really? Hmm. Because uh, Walmart's about to try and compete with it. Oh yeah. Well,
0: good for the consumer.
1: Yeah. Got one day free shipping is just like oh yeah. <laughs> that was something you dreamed about back in the day.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> remember when we had we ordered stuff through the mail and it would take six to eight weeks. <laughs> oh
1: yeah. Uh. I remember ordering stuff from uh, Nintendo Power because every quarter they would have like a little catalog. Yep. Where you could get like a Mario hat or you could oh, yeah. get like a pair of socks. And It would take you two months to get it.
0: Did you ever, when you were a kid, would you save up your UPC symbols for like cereal or, or Campbell's soup or, or things like that? You could send send off your UPC codes for something cool. And I remember um, I, I sent off and got. Uh, I saved all my UPC symbols from buying Star Wars figures and saved up so many of them to get the Emperor. And I had to mail order for the Emperor, but send off uh, so many UPC symbols. Did you ever do anything like that when you were a kid? I remember doing it for cereal, I think,
1: maybe once. But I primarily did it with Nintendo Power, because you had to... Before you could order stuff online, you had to save a certain number of stamps. Yeah. And you had to mail an envelope with the stamps in it, and then you would get your item. Yeah. I remember my, one of my favorite things as a kid was I got a Mario hat. And it was literally just a red hat with the M on it. But I <laughs> wore the hell it? out of that thing.
0: You know, the thing was, is like for all the cereal boxes and stuff, is like save your UPC symbols, uh, proofs of purchase, and uh, send in 10 you know, UPC codes uh, for uh, whatever prize it was. And it's like you had to do it by a certain date. I'm like, how am I going to eat 10 boxes of cereal in like a month? Like, I don't know about your parents, but my parents wouldn't buy me cereal all that often. Like it was a treat to get a good box of cereal, you know.
1: I would get a box of cereal, but I would have to finish it before I could get another one. Yeah, same for me. Now, do you have have you heard of the restaurant called BJ's? Mm, is it a it, uh,
0: pizza restaurant?
1: It's it has it has pizza, but it's like um. It's called BJ's Brewhouse. They have a variety of like pizza, they have like sandwiches, burgers, hmm. really anything you want. So they have this thing called a pizzuki. It's basically <laughs> like a, a large cookie that they bring to you in a tin with a scoop of ice cream on it. Mm-hmm. They have a cinnamon toast crunch pizookie. Oh, It's a giant sugar cookie. With vanilla ice cream and covered with cinnamon toast scrunch. and oh it is one God. of the greatest things I have eaten in the last like five years.
0: Oh, I, I had a friend of mine um, had uh, sent me some pictures. Uh, she went to Florida for the um, for the weekend. Went to Orlando, and she ate voodoo donuts and sent me a picture. Oh, and I was like, and she sent me a picture of the uh, the menu, and they have like Captain Crunchberry donuts. I'm like, ha <sighs> Like, I had Voodoo what Donuts thing? when I
1: was out in Los Angeles. <laughs> so freaking good.
0: Um, uh, all we have here... Well, we have a couple of good donut shops here. We have one that's uh, Tata Nut, which is actually one of the like, best donuts you can get like in the South. And then, we, ha- of course, we have Krispy Kreme, but... We don't really have anywhere that does anything like interesting with donuts like you know like puts toppings on them and stuff like that like weird cereal toppings and things like that. So I would love to try out Voodoo Donuts.
1: We have a place called Maynard's Donuts that does that. They have a fruity pebble donut that's that's pretty good. But for the most part we have um <clears throat> excuse me, just Dunkin Donuts and Krispy Kreme.
0: Yeah, Dunkin Donuts is everywhere. I've you know, never been a fan now. of Dunkin' Donuts. I like their coffee, but I'm, I'm not a fan of their donuts.
1: I prefer Dunkin' Donuts coffee to Krispy Kremes, but I much prefer Krispy Kremes donuts.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, next time you come in town, we got i got to take you to Tatanut. Nut. But the bad thing is you got to get there at like 7 in the morning <laughs> or you're <laughs> not getting any donuts because everybody literally lines up at like 6.30 in the morning to get donuts, and then they're out of donuts by like 9 o'clock
1: that's awesome it's that's crazy. how a donut shop should be
0: yeah and then you'll go in and like you know try to you sleep in a little bit you're like I'm gonna go get a donut you walk in there and it's like nothing but like you know one lone bear claw like up in the corner <laughs> that's like you know the one nasty looking bear claw that nobody wanted <laughs>
1: never been a bear claw guy
0: yeah me neither I just
1: I've never had one that I like just mm. strictly like a donut yeah me too
0: I like a good just regular donut and a chocolate covered donut like those are my two favorites
1: mine are just your standard glazed and then the uh, Bavarian cream filled with chocolate on top those are so pretty good (laughs) I had I remember when I was in high school I had one of those for the first time and it changed my life
0: (laughs) Damn it! I'm gonna ruin my diet tonight because as soon as we're done here, I'm gonna. There's a Krispy Kreme literally less than a mile from my house. This is not good. We should stop talking about donuts right now.
1: Yeah, that also reminds me. I, I've got a story to tell you, but I'll tell it off air because I know okay. we're we're rambling quite a bit.
0: <laughs> I don't know how we got on the topic of donuts, but let's go into the this month in video game history. In May of 1982, Atari releases Yars Revenge, uh, which is probably, arguably, one of the probably three best games for the Atari 2600, I would say. So what happened to Yars that
1: he needed to take revenge on people?
0: I'm not sure. but um, I know that that the actual word, Yars, is... um, It was named after his boss, Ray. Uh, He just flipped it around and said, Yars Revenge, because he thought it sounded cool. Uh, I'm actually trying to look up uh, any... Yeah. uh, Final game story involves mutated houseflies defending their world against an alien attacker. Warshaw, who who made the game, liked secret messages and hidden ideas and thus inverted the name of Ray Kassar, then CEO of Atari, to become the titular Yara race and its planet Razak.
1: That's pretty clever.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I like that. And this game actually had uh, an Easter egg, one of the earliest Easter eggs in it, too.
1: I remember us I talking about this game last year because I, I recognized the, the cover art. With the giant fly on it.
0: Yeah, and I feel sorry for this guy too, um, uh, Warshaw. What's his first name? Um, Howard Scott Warshaw. Um, He made arguably one of the best Atari games with Yara's Revenge and then effectively made the worst uh, Atari game when he single-handedly made the E.T. game. Oh, no. But honestly, it really wasn't his fault because he had only been given five weeks to make the ET game so that they could make the holiday release. And the poor guy made the best game he could. And I mean, could you make a game in five weeks by yourself?
1: I couldn't make a game in five months with a group of people, much less five
0: weeks with myself. So that's like his claim to fame. He made uh, the, probably the best game for the Atari and the worst. So that's his claim to fame.
1: I wonder if there's a documentary made about this guy, and if uh, not, there should be.
0: No, but um, I remember seeing there. There is a document. I think actually it's in that ET documentary. If I'm not, if oh, I'm okay. not mistaken, it might be either be in that or it's in one of those uh, video game documentaries on Amazon Prime. Um, I remember seeing about the, uh, the story behind this guy. And he was talking about that, how he may he went from making the best game to the worst game.
1: Talk about a fall from grace.
0: Yeah, poor
1: guy. On May twenty seventh, nineteen eighty six, Enix releases Dragon Quest for the Famicom, which is usually considered the foremost Japanese role playing video game, and is the first game in a series that has been phenomenally successful in Japan.
0: Uh, and that, and when it was when it came to America, it was published what, like three or four years later? Yeah, because it came out in Japan in 86, uh, but it came out as Dragon Quest in North America in 89. So, and I remember I got a copy of this game. It came free if you renewed your subscription to uh, Nintendo Power. And I, and it came with a, a strategy guide as well, which I know I have somewhere at my mom's house. I just need to find it. Um, I've been wanting to really dive into this game and give it a good review, and I've tried to start it a couple of times, but it's rough, man. Like, I I just, it's so hard to get into an RPG like this that is, everything has to be, like, you walk up to somebody and you actually have to, like, go into the menu to talk to someone, or you have to go into a menu to basically do everything, Like walk downstairs or open a chest or, you know, like you have to open a menu to do any kind of action. And uh, it's hard to do funny story about
1: this game. Last time I was in Price Busters, this had to have been at least two or three months ago. There was an inbox copy of this game. Really? I don't remember how much it was, but I just I vaguely remembered us talking about it and was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I never looked at a price or anything. Yeah, I doubt I, it's still there. I like I very highly doubt it's still there because inbox games usually don't last very long there. Yeah. But it was still pretty cool to
0: see. Because I was always a fan of the action RPGs, you know, like Legend of Zelda, uh games of uh Star Tropics, games of that nature. So when I got my copy of Dragon Warrior in the mail, I was really excited to play it, but it's such an It's an RPG ass RPG. And I remember being a kid going, ugh, this is hard to get into, man. Because it's just, it's not fast paced at all. Like, you have to have a lot of patience to get into this game.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of that way with RPGs right now in general, just because I don't really have the time. Whenever baseball's over, I'd love to dive into a couple of the RPGs that I've got on my list of stuff to review. Yeah, but you know, right now I just I don't have the time. Like, I want to play Soul Blazer for Super Nintendo because I've heard it's similar to Illusion of Gaia. Yeah, so I really want to get into that. That will probably be one of my two like big RPG games that I get into.
0: Well, I'm definitely going to get into Knights of the Old Republic 2 and have that ready for December when, uh, when Star Wars comes out. So I'm going to start on that here in the next couple of weeks so I can have a couple of months just to kind of casually go through it. Because I did play both uh, Knights of the Old Republic games, and they're great. But I just I want to kind of go through it slowly to uh, kind of refresh my memory of the game. Yeah.
1: i have to think of a Star Wars game, too. Uh,
0: weren't you going to do the first one? The nice Oh, yeah, the that's right. Push-
1: we were going to tag
0: team it. Yeah, it's going to be awesome.
1: And that will be the other RPG that I play in the
0: film. Yes. Fall. Uh, also on May 6th of 1986, Infocom releases the highly regarded Trinity. Let's take a look at what Trinity is. Um An interactive fiction computer game published in 86. It is widely regarded as one of the company's best works. It was included as one of the titles in the 2010 book, 1001 Video Games You Must Play Before You Die. Wow. 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 I
1: actually like the art to this game. Yeah, it looks kind of cool. It's very simple, but I like it. Yeah. Uh,
0: Interesting. Let's see. Eh. I was trying to look up gameplay for it, but it um, doesn't really have anything as far as gameplay.
1: I'm reading a little bit about it. Uh, it, it I mean, it, the plot sounds pretty interesting, but um, yeah, let's see. It's available. It was available on Amiga, Apple II, Atari, Commodore, MS DOS, and Macintosh. So not a not a console game. No. Hmm. Interesting. I wonder if it's on uh, Steam. I have to look it up. On May 6th, 1991, Sierra Online releases the Sierra Network, which is also credited as the first graphical MMORPG due to its inclusion of the Shadow of Cerebus. Uh, TSM would later become its more memorable name, Imagination Network, after a total buyout from AT&T in 1994. Wow.
0: I do remember us talking about this last year because um, we talk a lot about Sierra games. Sierra was one of those companies that just put out like two or three games a year throughout the 80s and 90s. They were, man, they were cranking out computer games back then.
1: Yeah, I recognize the logo. And yeah, I do remember us talking about it quite a bit.
0: And also to round us out for this month in video game history... On May 4th, 1996, Kirby's Block Ball, published by Nintendo and developed by HAL Laboratories, is an action video game, a spinoff from the Kirby series for the Game Boy portable console. It is a breakout clone. The player controls paddles along the screen's ed- edge to knock a bouncing ball, Kirby, into destructible bricks. The game's 55 levels include power-ups, bonus rounds, and mini-games. Did you ever play Kirby's Block Ball?
1: I did not. I do remember hearing about it, though, and I remember seeing it in stores. Uh, Nintendo, for Game Boy, they would do these types of games with their characters, because I remember they did a Pokemon pinball game. Um, at, You know, during the peak of Pokemon popularity, when there had to be several games a year, it seemed like. Yeah. But, um, I mean, it, it looks and sounds like a lot of fun. It was just one that you know, I, I played Kirby's Dreamland and that was kind of as far as I went with with my uh, Kirby experience. But it looks like a lot of fun though.
0: Yeah, I always like and a good It was
1: also on the 3DS uh as well. So Oh cool.
0: Yeah, I always like a good breakout clone. Like I always thought breakouts one of those uh really simple gameplay mechanics, but it just it kind of like sucks you in and you can play it for hours like it's just one of those great time waster kind of games yeah but uh but tonight I'm going to be talking about uh kind of a turd so here we go I I didn't hate that music. The music's okay. I mean, it. that's the thing about the game is the music's actually kind of good, but it just doesn't fit the game. It's weird. (sighs) Boy. Um, But what uh, game are you referring to? It's the Incredible Hulk (laughs) from 1994 for the Super Nintendo. It was also released on uh, the Sega Genesis. Uh, the Master System, and the Game Gear all in the same year. The player controls the Incredible Hulk while searching for the leader. Five levels await, ranging from city skyscrapers to alien landscapes. The Marvel Comics villains featured as the five levels' respective bosses are the Abomination... The Rhino, Absorbing Man, Tyrannus, and the leader. And this game is an abomination, if you will mind the pun. <laughs> good lord, this game is now, bad. If you, if
1: you use a pun, you gotta own it.
0: <laughs> so, uh, here's the thing. The game looks good. It sounds good. I mean, it, it the, the Hulk looks good. The rest of the game is kind of boring looking. Like, the level design... Is uh, it's very much reminds me of the Ninja Turtles, like the sewer levels on the Ninja Turtles. That's what it reminds me of a lot. So it doesn't really take advantage of the graphical upgrades on the Super Nintendo, uh, like other games do. I, it's you have one attack. Well, I take that back. You have you can punch, you can uppercut. And you can grab people and do kind of a pile driver. And that's about it. (laughs) And you can jump kind of high. Not that high, but you can jump kind of high. And here's my biggest problem with these games. Especially, like, even today, um, a lot of superhero games. My problem with superhero games is I want to play a superhero game. I want to feel powerful. If I want to play the Hulk... And I had the same problem with the death and return of Superman. I didn't feel like Superman in that game. I felt like a weak little bitch. And in this game, I wanted to be the Hulk. I want to smash things. I want to to destroy everything in sight. But I felt like a little green bitch in the game. Well, I don't think
1: it's too much to ask to do like what the actual character is supposed to do. <laughs>
0: And here's the thing is like throughout the game, you collect all these different uh, um, pills, different colored pills. They do different things like you can get one pill that turns you back into Bruce Banner because there are certain areas in the game where you actually can turn into Bruce Banner and get through little tight spaces that the, the Hulk can't get through. But the problem is, once you turn into Bruce Banner, you can't turn back into the Hulk unless you're hit or punched or shot. You can turn back into the Hulk. So when you turn into Bruce Banner, you're basically just uh, vulnerable. Like there's nothing you can do. Like you can go into these tight spaces, get like, you can. So if you're lucky, sometimes you'll pick up like a pistol but it only has like two shots and it doesn't do anything to anybody because even as the Hulk, it takes you like 10 hits to kill even the lowliest of minions. Just ridiculous. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like, why does it, like just these random robots that like run around the level that, you know, because the enemy designs are not that creative. It's like, Each level kind of has these different bad guys, but like the first level is like robots and they all look the same and it takes like 10 hits to kill one robot. Like you're the freaking Hulk. Why does it take 10 hits to kill the lowliest minion? And the whole time you're getting shot and punched and the hit detection on this game is absolutely awful. Like it took me so long to get through the, even the just the first boss like the first boss is just ridiculous, like because the the Hulk is so underpowered, and I just I got so frustrated, and I just didn't even want to keep playing this game like it's that level of frustration where you're just like, I just don't even want to play this like it's just it sucks, so I had two signs that this
1: game was not that great, well, one of them confirmed it. But when I opened up the Wikipedia page earlier, when I was going over like the news articles and everything, and I saw how short the Wikipedia page was. Uh-huh. So I was like, that's probably not a good sign. Yeah. And then watched a little bit of gameplay on YouTube. And I, from what I saw, I would echo your sentiments that, you know, the game looks like a lot of games from that, you know, early to mid 90s era of Super Nintendo. But it doesn't look that exciting. It's not. And with with the Hulk, you should just be able to wreck things. Like, even turning into Bruce Banner, you should just be able to go through the wall or tight spaces and just create a hole for yourself. Like, that's... If I were playing a Hulk game, I would want to do nothing more than just destroy shit.
0: And, And, like, the only things you can, like, environmentally that you can destroy, like, every once in a while, you'll come across a wall you can smash through or, you know, a phone booth. But even then, it just doesn't... It doesn't feel very satisfying, you know.
1: If they wanted to do something cool, they should have put Superman in a phone booth.
0: Yeah, that and we'll have the whole smash it. That'd be awesome. <laughs> but that, you know, do you get what I'm saying? Like when I'm, yeah, I know they have this tendency to to with superhero games. They don't want to make you too overpowered, so they kind of overcompensate and make you severely underpowered. And it just frustrates me. Like, one of the only few, uh, really, the only couple of superhero games that I really like are Batman Returns for the SNES, and of course, the Batman Arkham games for like the Xbox yeah. 360 and PlayStation 4. Like, I actually feel powerful in those games. Like, they could have at least. You know, I was thinking like basically what they did with uh, Batman Returns for the Super Nintendo was basically just reskinned Final Fight. Is all they did. I mean, it was this nice big sprites, the same kind of the same moves, same fighting, same you know bad guys with just a different coat of paint on them, and it was a fun game because you know what Final Fight is a fun beat 'em up game. You feel powerful when you play Final Fight because you can take out like ten dudes at once. They should have just done that with the Hulk. They could have just reskinned Final Fight, taken the Hagger character, you know, the, the big mayor Hagger, and just painted him green. And you could have had the Hulk. And that could have been your Hulk game. And I would have been totally happy with that because then I would have actually felt like the Hulk. It's pretty sad when Hagger from Final Fight feels more like the Hulk than the Hulk does in his own damn game.
1: It just kind of goes back to the sentiment that back then a lot of the like adapted video games, when it comes to like superhero properties, a lot of them were not that good. No, it, and it, it kind of sucks that this is because I never played this game uh, growing up. But that's kind of a shame because, like I said, when you when you think of Hulk, you think of just mindlessly wrecking stuff. Yeah. You don't really want that much strategy with it. I would like to think that if there were a modern day Hulk game that it would be like that. But it just sounds like one of those typical, you know, games that were made back then to cash on the name. Yeah. And that's not a lot of thought put into
0: it. And it's just like I said, it's so bland. Like this is the most vanilla beat-em-up I've ever played. And it's just way too hard way harder than it needs to be and not hard like challenging hard it's hard because the controls aren't good and like the hit detection is awful and he only has like one punch and that's it in in, an uppercut and that's you know that real and it doesn't even really do anything like I don't know. It just—I don't recommend this game at all. Like I hate it every second of playing this game. I picked it up at a flea market a while back for really cheap, and I thought it just looked cool. And I, I'd never—I honestly, I—I remember seeing this game back in the day, but i never gave it much thought. So I was like, "Oh, this is cool. Pick up this game. It might be fun to play." Nope, it's not.
1: Sounds like the best part of this game was when you turned the console off,
0: yep, it was, and I can <laughs> honestly say, I'm never going to play this game again ever that's well, I mean that's kind of when we do these reviews,
1: not all of them are going to be like a link to the past masterpiece, yeah like we're gonna play we're gonna play some some shit,
0: uh, and, and it sounds uh, like uh, one of it. Is it as bad as Fester's quest? Maybe not, but it's still down there in the in in the muck, in the sewer water with Fester's Quest. Oh man,
1: <laughs> Fester's Quest. Still top five show for me.
0: I, I think I might go back and, li- and re-listen to that episode <laughs> this week.
1: Had I known what was going to happen, I would have made popcorn before the podcast and I would have just muted my mic and just... Popping popcorn.
0: In my defense, I didn't know I was getting sick until after the show was over, and then I realized, like, "Huh, I'm running a fever and I feel awful." Maybe that's why I was <laughs> and went Fever-induced off. Fever
1: induced rant. Yeah, they're the best.
0: So, if anybody wants wants to listen to that, that was a that was a pretty early show for us, but definitely one of the best.
1: You know, we're coming up on the three year anniversary of the show. Really.
0: Wow! It
1: started. I want to say it started in July of twenty sixteen. I think so. Yeah, it was June or July.
0: Well, happy birthday!
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we'll we'll
0: have. Well, yeah, we'll definitely have to do a uh, a three year anniversary episode.
1: Can we have cake?
0: Yeah, let's have cake. (laughs) Let's get some donuts. We'll have donuts on the air. Uh, There we go. We'll eat donuts and we'll we'll have a party. And if you out there listening, you want to join us on Twitch that night? We'll do it sometime in July, and uh, we'll have a donut party here here on Twitch. That sounds great. And uh, one of the things I did
1: review a game. We'll just eat donuts. Yeah,
0: we'll just eat donuts, and and we'll take calls. (laughs) (laughs) We'll do some calls. But, um, one of the things I did want to mention about this game, I, I did look at some of the gameplay for the Sega Genesis version, and it's roughly the same game, but it plays, it looks like it plays a lot faster, and the controls are better. So you know the hit detection's a little bit better. I would like to try it out on the Genesis to see if it's any better, but it looks basically like the same game, just faster. But that mm. was one of my biggest problems with this game is it is so slow. Like it's ridiculously slow. This game.
1: That's a shame.
0: But it's got cool. It it really is a shame. It's got cool, cool box art. So that that that's got what it's got going for it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the and the game
1: looks pretty good. I mean, it's it looks exactly like a game that would be from its time.
0: Yeah, it is. Eh. That's a shame. I give it out of ten. I mean, this one. This one gets a four, and that's just because it's got cool um, cover art for it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it looks like a comic book cover.
0: Yeah, so if you want to get it, if you come across a copy and you're like, oh, they they want like $2 for this, and it's in good shape, I'd go ahead and get it. I wouldn't spend more than like three or four bucks for it. (laughs) So take that for what it's worth.
1: Well, like I said, not every game we review is going to be a masterpiece.
0: Yeah, well, that was my review of The Incredible Hulk for the Super Nintendo, the 1994 disaster piece, the (laughs) abomination that was The Incredible Hulk.
1: I get that reference.
0: (laughs) So, Mr. Derek, what would you like to uh, depart with the good people before we get out of here tonight?
1: So I'll, I'll go ahead and reveal what I'm going to review next week, which will be a much better game than the Incredible Hulk. I'm going to be I reviewing so. a. I'm going to be <laughs> reviewing a Game Boy game, uh, one of my personal favorites, Super Mario Land Two, one of the most underrated Mario games ever made. Yes, and I'm going to explain
0: why next week. Let's get back to a good game next week.
1: Yeah, so, so uh, I'm
0: going to review that. Anything else before we go, before we say goodbye to the good people?
1: No, just like I said at the beginning of the show, um, if you want to check out the video version of the Parker Syndrome podcast we did as part of the Derek Diamond Experience, you can go to facebook.com slash ddiamondpodcast, or if you want to wait for the traditional audio version, that will be available this Thursday, and that will be the last show I do for that podcast until September.
0: Fantastic, and as usual, you can follow me over at Twitter at JFunktastic. And if you haven't done it yet, go watch Monsters Anonymous on Amazon Prime. And if you do yes. that, leave us a review over there on Amazon Prime. We are rocking a five-star review on Amazon Prime right now. So That's awesome. We are we are doing well. I'm still waiting for the one you know one-star review where somebody poo-poo's it, but. Hasn't happened yet. We're still uh, we're still up there at five stars. So if you haven't seen it yet, go look up Monsters Anonymous on Amazon Prime. Watch it. Leave us a review. Even if you hate it, leave us a review. We I like to hear feedback. I don't care if it's good or bad. I just like feedback. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and get out of here. What do you say? Let's do it. Let me make sure the music's here. All right, there we go. Yes, it worked. If you would like to email us, you can email us at NerdCaveRetro at gmail.com. We are at NerdCaveRetro.com. We are on Instagram and Twitter at NerdCaveRetro, at JFunktastic, and at Derek underscore Diamond. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash retro. We're on Patreon at Patreon.com slash retro. Go over there and throw us a buck a month. If enough of you do that, you'll get us back up to the $50 level where we will do extra episodes every month. We're like the commentary track we did a couple of weeks ago of the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. That was fun. We want to do that it more. Was? So get us back up there. Go leave us a buck. And if you can't do that, then just leave us a review wherever you listen to us. And that'll get us in front of more people. And make the show overall better. So, Derek, please tell everyone what it's all about.
1: Wow. Wow.